around New Year's uh, each year, um, I, uh, I like to talk about New Year's resolutions, don't I? Those of you who have been around, it's kind of a thing with me. I'm kind of a freak for New Year's resolutions in a positive sort of way. How many of you are making uh, New Year's resolutions this year? How many of you already have one or two in mind? Well, see, if 100% of you don't, then I feel like I've failed. So I'm going to give the sermon again. And in particular, uh, this year, I want to talk about uh, the most important word in the English language, which is try. Thank you very much. Uh, the regulars have learned well. Try, try. Um, I think the most powerful word that is out there, with all due respect to Yoda. Now, I have seen the new, I've seen the new Star Wars, right? Have you guys seen it? Excellent. Uh, I'll, I, I just won't give you my commentary on the new Star Wars, but there's a new Star Wars. And, and uh, typically when I talk about try, uh, particularly if I do it, you know, out in other churches or, you know, other conferences and stuff like that, somebody will walk up to me and with a very smart look on their face say, well, Yoda says do or not do. There is no try. Right? Because some of you have quoted that to me. And just to be clear, Yoda, not Jesus, just Yoda. And what, he, what is he anyway? Is some sort of a squishy frog creature? I mean, really, is this, is this a person whom we want to respect? Do our, do not, there is no try. No. You, you know what happens in the Star Wars saga? Luke ignores him, right? I mean, who brings balance back to the Force? Yoda? No, I mean, you, Luke sets it all into motion by ignoring Yoda's advice, rushing impetuously out there into the galaxy far, far away, and, and just trying a bunch of stuff, most of which he failed at. Am I right? Who's the hero? The guy who tried. You're not buying it, are you? No. Try or not try. That really is the key to life. That really is the thing that determines who you are. Uh, it's, it's like in, in Yoda's world, failure is not an option. You know, just do or not do. There's no try. Failure is an option, people. Just so you know. I'm gonna, I have a t-shirt that says that. Failure is an option in life. Not trying is not an option in life. And that's, that's the difference. Uh, we want to be people of try, because try, try is where the life is. Try is where the faith is. Try is where the courage is. Um, I've been thinking a lot recently about trying versus succeeding. Um, a lot of people pursue success. And, and I'm really more about pursuing trying in life. Um, a lot of people who are obsessed with success refuse to try because they're worried about failure. Sometimes you can be successful without being very good at trying. For instance, you can be successful by luck. Or you can be successful uh, at one thing in life because you happen to be very good at it and didn't have to try very hard. A lot of times we're taught to pursue success by avoiding failure, which is to say by being careful and not trying too much or not trying too many things, right? You wanna, you wanna play it conservatively. That's really the way to succeed and, and to get ahead. 
I don't think you can succeed very broadly in life without being good at trying. You can get lucky at one thing. You can become a financial success or you know, a professional success or have some sort of narrow success in your life that makes you feel good about yourself. But you can't succeed broadly in life unless you're a good trier, unless you're willing to do things at which uh, you, you do not have a guarantee of success or maybe the, the chance of success is, is not very likely. And, and the reason I point that out is because our job is not to be successful at any one thing. Our job is to change the world because we're followers of Jesus. And that's our job description, right? You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You guys are going to change the world. Wherever you are, you're going to be agents of change. You're going to be changeful, which means you're going to have to try Whatever the right thing in the moment is, no matter what it is, that's really who we are. If you're going to change the world, you have to try at a great many things, a broad array of things. Um, which means, I think, as followers of Jesus, what we want to do is create a whole tribe of try. We want to create people of try. You follow me so far? Most of you have heard this sermon before, so I'm giving you the short Reader's Digest version. Does anybody know what Reader's Digest is anymore? Am I like totally dating myself? I don't know what the contemporary analog is. The, the, uh, the abridged version, you know, the cliff note. Anybody read cliff notes anymore? Is that, a, is that still a thing? It was when I was in college, I'm not sure. I digress. Wikipedia? Yeah. We need a whole tribe of trying, and that's why on our Blue Water Church t-shirts it simply says, try. Uh, what, are your, what are your try stories? Blue Water, sometimes I think more than anything else, is a tribe of try that really defines our Ohana culture as we try to follow Jesus. I want you to be good at trying, right? So even more than saying, you know, I want you to succeed. I, I really want you to be good at trying, at being willing to try things. What does it mean to be good at trying? Now, uh, the convenient and the wrong way to define it is if you're good at trying, you will succeed when you try. And, and that's not really what I'm talking about. If you're good at trying, you try all the time and you try well. That's what I'm talking about. What does it mean to try well? Well, number one, I think it means going all out. I think there are very few people in the world who ever give 100% at anything. Most of us are too scared to ever do that. But being a good trier means that you go all out. And if you fail, you know, at least you went all out. See, the way most people think is they're not going to go all out, so if they fail, then they have an excuse. Well, I didn't really try that hard. <laughs> or something like that. That's how most of us play life. No, no, no. Just go for it. And if you fail, you fail. Uh, don't be shy. Don't be tentative. Uh, don't check your swing. Any baseball fans out there? The worst thing you can do when you're up to bat is swing halfway. Because you're probably not going to hit the ball, and even if you do, it's not going to go anywhere. And what a check swing is, you started to swing, and then you were hesitant. You changed your mind. No, if you're going to swing, Swing. If you're shy, uh, you will for surely uh, get an out. Uh, number two, be good at trying. You have to develop the ability to stick with it. 
and to stick with it no matter what. Uh, you have to be capable of the long try. How many of you are somewhere in the middle of a long try? You know what I mean when I say that, right? That's the try that really determines whether or not you have the character of trying. A lot of you have a trying character, but that's not what I'm talking about. The character of <laughs> trying. Um, you have to be able to stick with it, even though you do poorly at it. That, that, that's the clincher, right? To stick with something you're not good at. Why would you stick with something you're not good at? Well, because it's the right thing to do. That's why. So when I talk about try, I, I, I really, I don't like to talk so much about the connection between trying and succeeding. I don't, I, I think you should try something not because you think you'll be successful at it, although that's part of analysis. I think you should try something because it's the right thing to do. And if it's the right thing to do, do it. Anything worth doing is worth doing, no, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. <laughs> if it's worth doing, it's worth doing no matter how good you are at it. You follow me? That has to do with stick with itness. Uh, number three, I think you have to have a contempt for failure. Do you know what contempt is? Contempt is, is a, a, a dismissive attitude. You know, when you hold something in contempt, it means that you don't treat it as importantly as you should. You know? So it, it's contemptible. It's not even worth thinking about, you know? And I think you need a contempt for failure to be a person of try, a person of active faith. You know, failure is, is, is really not what we think about. And if we fail, that's not nearly as important as if we fail to try. Um, you need uh, the capacity to, to fail well and move on. What's a good failure? A good failure is when you've gone all out, you failed utterly, <laughs> and you've been changed and strengthened by it. Does, does failure cripple you, or does failure strengthen you? Well, the way you answer that question determines whether or not you have the capacity to fail well. There are sermons in that, and I've given some of them, but I don't know, something for you to chew on. You, of course, uh, if you're going to stick with it, if you're going to fail well, then you need the ability to try again. And if you're going to be a person of try, then you're going to need to be able to try again. If the most important word in the English language is try, then the most important phrase in the English language is try again. Uh, and that, that often is what defines us as, as, as people of try. Anybody can try once. But if you try all the time, if you try consistently, then you're a person of try. And we've become a tribe of try. And then finally, uh, I think you need the ability to, to pull the trigger. I, I think you need to develop a capacity to get to it in life. If there's something that you ought to try, if there's a right thing to do, then you should go for it. When, you, when should you start? Now. Right? Don't start on Monday. <laughs> start on Thursday. You know what I'm talking about? Don't put it off until the right time to start it. Um, if it's worth doing, then get to it. You have to get her done, in the words of a great American philosopher. Um, 
one of the keys to getting two important things in life is to be specific and to break it down. Uh, I want triers, not dreamers in life, just kind of the way I, I say it. People who dream say, like, I'm going to be a great American novelist. It's a dream. People of try say, uh, I'm, I'm sitting down this afternoon and working on my outline. Right? Specific. They, they have a step to get to. Uh, they've gone to work. Right? One day of work is worth a decade of dreaming. And triers get to work. Right? The work at the end of the day may be junk, but that's really not the point, is it? You know, they failed well. The next day, they will go back to work. Anyway, a sketch of trying well. And uh, I'd like to talk particularly today about getting to it and perhaps a little bit about sticking with it. Some very important elements in being people of try. And I'm going to uh, use a very familiar passage from Matthew chapter 7, which is the end of Jesus' most famous sermon, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. So this is Matthew 7, 21 through 29. You can follow along in the back of your programs or it's up here on the big board. Jesus uh, has just given a whole bunch of teaching. In the Sermon on the Mount, it's his longest sermon ever recorded. Uh, you can recite it in about 20 minutes, so a 20-minute sermon, uh, which is a little shorter than I typically give. Sorry about that. Um, and then he's wrapping up his sermon. And, and this is how he, he brings it together. The most revolutionary sermon ever given, the most revolutionary moral teaching in, in world history. And now he's wrapping it up. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So opening line, words are cheap, deeds are what count. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, evildoers. Uh, literally, in, in the Greek, that means doers of harm. You know, it's like you, you cause destruction. Get out of here, hoser. It's my translation. Uh, so what that means is, I mean, it sounds pretty good, right? We prophesied in your name. We drove out demons in your name. We performed many miracles in your name. That would be a good day, Right? If you prophesied and drove out demons and performed miracles, uh, that, that sounds pretty good. But Jesus said, no, 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 you did harm. Well, evidently, these people were doing things, but they weren't doing the, wait for it, right thing. Right? Evidently, they were avoiding the thing that they were supposed to do, uh, that, uh, that the Father had assigned them to do. So even if, even if it looks good, it might be the wrong thing. Wow. So... You have to get to it, in other words, and then you need to do the right thing. And don't mess around. Don't avoid it. Get to it. And then, uh, here's the clincher, this famous analogy. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, gets to it, is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. 
The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock, built well. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, who does not get to it, is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash, with a particular destruction. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Uh, What does that mean? Well, the rabbinical tradition of the day is that you never taught except that you quoted someone who came before you. The idea was to say, well, you know, be kind to your neighbor because, you know, Rabbi so-and-so said this 30 years ago, quoting Rabbi so-and-so who said it 50 years before that. In other words, you demonstrated your expertise in Scripture and history and tradition. But Jesus didn't mess with that. He just said, this is important. Do it. And I think the only way he could say that is that it was clear he was doing it, right? He spoke from the authority of experience, from the authority of action. He was not an expert per se. He was a leader. He was doing it, and you could follow him in it. And and that just uh, amazed the crowd. So a few points from what is probably a pretty familiar teaching. How many of you knew the house on the rock versus the house on the sand teaching before? You guys heard that? Even if you've never been in a church in your life, you've probably heard that um, story before. Uh, point number one, if you, th- if you listen to the teachings of Jesus, if you've got some idea about what you should be about, if you've got some idea of the right thing to do in life, the right thing to try, uh, and you do not get to it, then you're, you're kind of setting yourself up for some serious disaster, right? You, your house will fall, and it won't, just, it won't just fall. It won't just, like, lean into decay. Jesus says, oh, no, it will fall with a great crash, with a thorough disaster. So he's very serious about this point. There's a, a subsidiary point, a following point, which is uh, if you get to it, you can expect to have to stick with it. It's as if Jesus is implying here that, you know, you've heard about these things that you ought to do. You need to get to it or else. But when you get to it, you're going to have to work hard at it. Why do I say that? Well, because he likens it to building a house on rock. So what's the thing about building a house on rock? Why would you choose to build a house on sand as opposed to building a house on rock? Well, building on sand is a heck of a lot easier, isn't it? You know, you dig a hole at the beach, and that's fun. You know, my kids do that every time we go, and they build a little crater, and they flood it, and they build canals and stuff like that when the tide comes in. Um, it's fun to, to dig in sand. Uh, have you ever dug through rock before? Yes. You ever, anybody ever taken a, a pickaxe and actually dug through rock that way? A few of us. You probably did it in a terrible context, didn't you, Lee? Yes. A Chinese concentration camp 
she knows. That's very hard work. Um, so it, it is, in my opinion, and back me up on this, guys, the hardest work there is. Digging in general, but digging through rock uh, is, is absolutely um, devastating. And, you know, it makes sense that you would not do it. But why would you build on rock? Well, because it's the best foundation there is, of course. You know, a house built on the rock just doesn't fall. Uh, before Sonia and I moved back to Hawaii, we lived in Gloucester, Massachusetts. We lived out on Cape Ann. Gloucester is the town uh, that was the setting for the movie The Perfect Storm. Is you know, a great fishing village. And so Sonia and I bought this 150-year-old, uh, it, was, it was the house of a clamming family, of a fisherman family. And it was 150 years old, and it was absolutely square. I rehabbed the house for a year. That's what I did for, uh, we sold it. Uh, and absolutely true, the 90-degree angles were still 90-degree angles. And I remember when we looked at the house to see if we, we might buy it, I walked into the basement and it had this big spacious basement, as is often the case in, in, uh, in the Northeast. And out of uh, the, uh, the eastern wall of the basement stuck this huge granite shelf. It protruded into the basement about 15 feet. It's this huge, solid granite boulder. And I thought, I'll take it. <laughs> this house is going to be perfectly true. It was literally built on a rock. And it had lasted all of those years. Uh, without any shifting whatsoever. But it was probably hard to build. Probably a lot of painful digging involved. Stick with itness. Anything worth doing is probably going to take a while. I think that's a truism to apply in life. You need to do things the right way, chipping away until the job is done. No sprinters, only marathoners, as Sonia implied during worship. Um, I, uh, I think uh, often about my, my life verse. You know, this is the, the scripture verse that uh, I feel like defines me more than any other. It's from Matthew 11, Matthew 11, 12, and you've probably heard me quote it often. From the time of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been advancing by force, and it takes a forceful person to get hold of it. You know, that... We, since John the Baptist until now, since there has been a kingdom of heaven on earth, you know, since it started in the Jesus years, um, it's really been a, a matter of force. Some of the translations will say violence. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. And violent men are the ones who lay hold of it. You have to really have some attitude if you're going to pull it off. Um, all of that is just a setup so I can talk to you about New Year's resolutions, which is the annual season of try. How many of you just love New Year's resolutions? I say New Year's resolutions and your heart just warms. <laughs> Who, who's that? I, I, actually, I actually like these things. Um, and the reason uh, I, I like New Year's resolutions is because it's, you know, it's a time of year where the whole culture decides to try things. You know, the whole culture is of one mind. I mean, not you guys, because you're sticks in the mud. But, you know, there are a lot of people out there that are like, I'm going to change something about my life this year. And I just think that's so healthy. You know, you want to change the right thing. You don't want to waste your time. Like, you know, I'm, 
I'm really going to watch more TV this year. That would be a bad New Year's resolution. You know? It's just, this is a year where I, I really need to get my body fat up. You know? Probably not something that you need to be resolved about. That might happen naturally. Uh, so, you know, so do, do choose. Uh, but in general, we all have something we want to change about our life. Is that true? I'll give you 10 seconds to think about it. Is there something about your life that you'd like to change? And let me just make it a little more personal. Is there something about you that you would like to change? Because that's really what defines a good New Year's resolution, right? A lot of us complain about our lives, but when we do New Year's resolutions, we tend to turn the lens a bit more on ourselves. Like, okay, but what, what can I change about me? What can I change about my behavior, you know? It's got to be something I can control. Um, can you guys think of something like that? You should be able to, particularly if you're a follower of Jesus, because if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, you are maturing, you are progressing. So uh, resolutions are a, a common way to approach it. I think we, we should have the power to change ourselves generally in life. We should mature. We've, we're in the middle of this sermon series on, on rhythm for grown-ups. Well, grown-ups grow up. Grown-ups get better as time goes by. And, and we should all have that attitude because the better we become, and whatever better means for you, uh, the better we become and the more influential and fruitful we should be in life. And, and that's, that's really the point. So I really encourage you to embrace the practice of New Year's resolutions just to make the most of, of this holiday tradition. So here are some tips for New Year's resolutions. And we'll just kind of end uh, with this. Uh, number one, get to it. Pull the trigger. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, because I think that's what makes a, a person of try, a person of active faith. Uh, get to it. Don't start your New Year's resolution in July. If, if you are sure about what you should do, start it on December 27th. Oh, that's today. Start the New Year with a little momentum, um, which means that you're going to have to break it down a little bit, but more on that in a second. Uh, number two, go all out. And I think this is, this is the, the problem with the way that most people do, years, do New Year's resolutions. They make a list, and then they never do the first thing. How many of you, let's be perfectly honest and, and, and confessorial here, how many of you have resolved to get in shape in past years and never visited the gym even once? Yeah, yeah, right? How many of you said, I'm going to get in shape and, and, and ran one day only? You did one day of jogging, right? Uh, you, when you need to go all out, you need to go all out. What am I going to need? Uh, how am I going to do this? And what needs to get out of the way? Oh, that's a big one. You know, set yourself up uh, for success with your try. Don't be shy about it. Don't be shy about it. Don't, don't wimp out. If you're going to fail, fail gloriously. Fail big. Um, and that's a, a good reason, I think, to declare New Year's resolutions, which is why uh, mostly I encourage people to embrace the practice. Uh, when, uh, we make, when I make a New Year's resolution, I tell people. And I feel like that's one way of going all out. You know? And if I invite my friends into the resolution, then I'm asking uh, for them to, uh, 
to hold me accountable to it, you know? I, I feel a little extra oomph in, in my resolution. Um, I'm making a plug for courage here, right? Go all out, tell people about it. That's gonna take a little vulnerability, and vulnerability is always courage, so uh, do that. Um, I, uh, I'm always in some kind of Ohana group, some kind of small group uh, at, at Blue Water Mission. So what I do uh, every year that I'm leading a small group is that I, I pretty much require everybody in the small group to make New Year's resolutions and to divulge them to the group, right? Those of you who have been in my groups. Uh, and, and we make a deal. And I actually, I play scribe and I write them down. I keep the master list for my, my ohana. And then in June or July, I read that list again. I, I find all the people, you know, if they've gone to a different ohana group, I hunt them down, I don't care. And I say, these are your New Year's resolutions. You know, and usually this happens in a room. How are we doing with them? TJ, how are you doing with yours? And, and, and we, we talk about it. Oh, so basically you're telling me, you haven't tried. Uh, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not nicer than that. I just, that, that, that's how I do it. But there's a good spirit about it, right? Would you agree? I mean, and how many of you have gone through this exercise with me over the last half dozen years and found it to be beneficial? Come on. Come on. Yeah. There are some hands. There really are. Just look around. Um, uh, third tip, stick with it. Um, and I'll put it this way, stick with it for a year. Uh, because it's a New Year's uh, resolution. Just keep plugging away at it, even if you do poorly. Uh, I, I would probably say this. If next December you are still plugging away at your New Year's resolution, you will probably have succeeded at it. Uh, but are you going to succeed at it? Who cares? I have contempt for failure. What I care about is that you keep trying. I think that's the point. And that defines you as a person of faith. Uh, finally, um, try again. Uh, if you do some New Year's resolution with doing, you will probably fail in some way at some certain point, in which case the vital skill is simply to try again, right? Failure is not stoppage. Um, so try again. This is another reason to have accountability. This is one of the reasons that I follow up with people and I invite people to follow up with me because if I have failed and quit, oh, quit, it's a four-letter word, um, then that's, that's trouble. I want somebody to bang me upside the head uh, when I do that. I want a tribe of try. I want everybody trying together. Sometimes you fail in a way that you can't go any further, right? You've just failed at it. It's over. It's done. All right, walk away. But if you can try again, then, you know, try again. And I need my friends to help me with that oftentimes. No, Jordan, this is worth doing. And if it's worth doing, it's worth trying again, isn't it? assuming that I've chosen something worth doing. All right, so declarations. I've said that I always invite my friends uh, to be in New Year's resolutions for me. So here are some New Year's resolutions I have. And then in June or July, you can get back to me and uh, tell me if I'm, if I'm uh, trying well, okay? Number one, uh, I have resolved this year to, uh, to get in shape, which is 
the most boring of New Year's resolutions because it's a resolution that everybody makes, right? But uh, you may have noted, and a good number of, of you have pointed out kindly uh, to me uh, this year that uh, I've, I've gotten pretty gaunt. I lost about 20 pounds this year. Well, over the last six, no, not, not in a good way. I mean, I lost 20 good pounds, right? I was, I was in shape, I was fit, I looked fit, right? Didn't I look okay? Sort of, except for my wardrobe, but we've already covered that. Um, but I've, got, I've, gotten pretty, I've gotten pretty gone. I aged quite a bit over the last uh, 18 months or so. I realized that it's uh, been a very hard season uh, for me, a very hard season for our family. So I haven't exercised very much. I had, I don't know, 100 sleepless nights and uh, just with, you know, caring for uh, you know, my sick dad or handling some other emergencies that we had. So I just sort of fell apart. Now my joints are suffering. I, I apparently need knee surgery now because I lost all of my supporting muscle and stuff like that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in shape, and, uh, and you'll be able to tell, uh, because I'll need a new wardrobe again. And uh, we'll, we'll go through all of that. Um, so hold me to that. Um, should put back on about, how much weight? 15 pounds, something like that. My wife is noncommittal, because she's, she's afraid I might drag her into shape with me. And, she wants, she wants no part of that. Come on, honey, let's go running. Nope. Uh, relatedly, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a season of rest uh, this year. It's been such a tough time for me uh, that uh, the Blue Water uh, Board has, uh, has uh, given me a, a sabbatical. I'm going to take some extended weeks off. Uh, I believe their word was something like, we don't want you here. Was that it? Was that something like that? Go away for a while. No, uh, but uh, the, the board and the leadership team is going to give me uh, some, some time off, and I'm going to try really hard to do nothing for, like, some weeks on end. I've never done that before, uh, so it will, it, will take, uh, it will take some doing. Um, but I'm going to try and get rested. And then, I don't know if this is ironic, but I... I I'm due to, to write a, a book. I've been, it's been on my calendar for two years. It's been one of my resolutions, but it's been such a hard two years that I haven't written my next book, uh, which uh, is on trying, actually, try, try culture. So I'm going to finish that this year. Uh, I've been serious about this. So uh, the past month, I, I made a bet with a fellow author. She's a, she's a, a very successful, very well-awarded author of, of children's books. And so we've bet a beer that I will finish my next book before she does. I just want you to know that I'm serious about this. Um, if I win, I'm going to get the most expensive European beer on the market. And if she wins, she's going to get Bud Lime or something. <laughs> All right, so what are yours? I've declared mine. What are yours? I've been talking about this for 30 minutes, so you probably have one in mind if you didn't have one in mind before. So write down. Write it down. Take out your smartphone or grab a pen or steal a pen from your neighbor and write it on the bulletin. I don't care what you do. But what I want you to write down is, is one or two or three resolutions that you might make this year. And, I'm, you know, it's, it's December 27th, so you're going to get a week to think about this. Right? So just write down the ones that you might make this year, because when you make them, I want you to be 
fully considered and committed to them. Now here's an encouragement as you mull this over. The things that you write down do not need to be super spiritual because, I don't know, it's the season of New Year's resolution. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in shape, right, because the past two years have been very hard on my body. Now that's not super spiritual, right? That's not going to make me a better Jesus follower. It's not going to make me a better, a better pastor. Uh, but what it will do is it will exercise my change muscle. And, and that's, good. that's good enough, right? It's, it's the sort of thing that kind of makes me a robust individual. I can change things about myself. They don't always need to be super critical things. Um, so don't hold yourself over the fire. There might be one spiritual thing that sticks out this year, something that you're going to do for the sake of growing as a disciple that you've already been thinking about that you know you should put into practice. You should give it a good try. So sure, include that too. Because we need to be good at changing ourselves, don't we? Good, write it down. All right, done. Now turn to the person uh, to your left or right and tell them uh, your resolution or resolutions. Don't explain them. Just say it as simply as possible. The people sitting next to you may well be strangers. Don't care. You're just going to articulate it. Just going to say it out loud. Go ahead. Go ahead. These are things that you're at least considering. You're at least considering. All right. Now that's not what you call, I think, a, a particularly deep sermon. We didn't get into a word study. We didn't wrestle with any complex concepts in the kingdom of God. Uh, it, was very, it was very simple. Uh, but being resolved to change or being resolved to grow, doing the things that we need to do to get to it, and stick with it, to try well, and to try again, those are actually the things that change lives. Yours as well as the people around you. This is the vital skill in life. It is the vital skill in the kingdom of God. Get to it, stick with it, try and try again. If we're a tribe of try, then the only direction we'll ever go is forward. Now, it's going to take some force. It's going to take some, some strong steps. Sometimes uh, it's useful uh, to, uh, to meditate on something like that, uh, to have maybe an artistic expression upon which to meditate. Strong and forceful steps. Everybody, stand up. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would make us a tribe of try in 2016. We offer you our tribes as worship. Because you are a, a good God, full of grace and care, uh, we are willing to go all out. Because you are a God who's faithful, we are willing to stick with it. 
Because you're a God of redemption, we are willing to try again. Because you are a God of eternity, we hold failure and contempt. I pray, Father, for a, a gift of resolve in our spirits this morning. That we will do things simply because they're the right thing to do. We will do them all out because that's the right way to do them. We will stick with it because that's how we're defined as a people. I pray, Father, that uh, as we move forward with an attitude of force, we would all move, move forward with a heart of love, uh, love and encouragement for one another. We do not seek perfection. We seek completion, Lord. Uh, make us who we should be in you, flaws and all. I pray, Father, that you'd speak vision into our family uh, this morning. Galvanizing vision, something that comes from you. Special thoughts that are marked with the personality of God. Remind us uh, of who we are. What is urgent. Uh, in the name of Christ, brothers and sisters, I, uh, you know, I forgive you for your failures of 2015. Just be released by Jesus' name and grace. This is a new year. This is time to be resolved. Amen.